You apparently didn't put one of the new cover sheets on your TPS reports. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry about that. I, I forgot. Mmm. Yeah. It's always soccer in Philadelphia on a Tuesday, even when we are locked uh, in our houses in Philadelphia, in California, in Texas, uh, wherever you are in the United States. We're practicing social distancing, we're washing our hands, and we're trying not to do anything stupid. You know, we don't have Philadelphia Union soccer, unfortunately. Uh, the game was canceled on Saturday. Uh, no games for the foreseeable future. So you know what? I thought this would be a good idea to do a feature interview. Uh, uh, you know, one of the former player uh, interviews that we'd like to do on the podcast. And as such, I have a Philadelphia Union uh, original on the phone with me right now out in California. It's Amobi Akugo. Amobi, how are you, man? Yeah, how you doing? Pleasure to connect again. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, uh, so, so, what are you doing out there? So, you got so you're with you're still playing with Austin Bold, uh, but you guys had a game that was out in California, and you and so you ended up just staying out there. Yeah, so we were on the flight to LA uh, for a game, and then next thing you know, by the time we landed, uh, we got the announcement that MOS and USL uh, seasons were suspended for a month. So, our our team was kind of scrambling around trying to figure out what to do. So. Um, between our GM and our coach, they decided to get like the immediate flight back to uh, Austin, um, and then it's a, a couple of guys like myself are from California, so we decided to just stay in LA. And then I realized, oh, this might be more serious than it is. So let me get to Sacramento, where I, like my family's from, before I get locked down in LA. So I'm in Sacramento. Our team has the week off until we figure out um, more information regarding uh, the Corona. So what uh, what was the extent of the instruction that they gave you guys? Did they just say, look, you know, do what the local government tells you to do and try to stay in shape and we'll be in contact when we figure this thing out? Yeah, so they gave us a workout plan to, like, stay in shape. But right now it's just stay, stay secluded, uh, stay safe, stay clean, and, um, yeah, don't do anything against the guidelines that have been provided, like, on the news and through the group chats and stuff like that. So what's the extent of what you're able to do? do you, are you able to, like, go run outside? Or do you have a treadmill in the house? Or, the, or do you have a weight room? Like, what's, what, what are the things that you're actually able to do right now? It's taking it back to, like, my elementary high school days when I had to, like, work out on my own. So a lot of home body workouts. Yeah. I go outside for, like, a run. Um, um, there's, like, certain uh, gyms that are open but, like, closed to the public. So um, uh, doing that as well, but... Just try to stay away from people. So if you um, if you kind of had like if we did theoretical scenarios here and we said, uh, you know, the, we'll say like it's delayed a month and a half or two months or something. Would you would you prefer that they just try to add the games to the back end of the schedule? Do you think they should just abandon those games completely? Would you would you be okay with maybe stuffing them in on a Wednesday or Thursday and playing midweek games? Like what what do you see as kind of like the best case scenario here? Uh, midweek games, you know, make up, make them up over the course of the season. I know, like, for us, we had a couple buys throughout the season, um, like two or three bye weeks. So I think, I mean, best case scenario would be back in May. So it's only like four games that you could kind of stuff here and there. Um, yeah, I think that's the best course of action, in my opinion. Um, allows for more players to play. You know, you're going to have to rotate guys. So give other guys an opportunity to play and, you know, not have to make it up at the back end because people love their offseason. 
Yeah, yeah, I hear that. It's kind of and and you guys have it a little bit better, I guess, because you're at the beginning of the season, and like the NBA players and the NHL players are, you know, like right up at the end of it, you know, because you know, oh, yeah. they only had like 17 or 18 NBA, games, you know. Yeah. Like the March Madness for the NBA guys, they had like a someone might propose like a March Madness type layout. Yeah, and that would be pretty interesting. Yeah. What What did you um, what did what did you make of you know, there, there's an idea that they're kind of tossing around of like, you know, these seniors, like I feel bad for players who were going to March Madness or they were playing spring sports or something and their seasons are just over right now. Like, do you think it would make sense to maybe try to give them some eligibility, let them play another season or uh, uh, how, how do you, how do you see that happening? It's so tough too, because you know, some people like make their name during the March Madness tournament, but then again, it's like a whole season. Um, I don't know. I think maybe have like a like a just like a, an extended combine for those guys. Um, yeah. Because I feel like the NBA scouts um, really, in terms of like professional, the NBA scouts already know who they're looking at. Yeah. But like for those seniors that are never going to play again, they, they're missing out too. So it's it's really tough because like they literally ended their season, so it'd only be like four, maybe one or two to five more games left. So I don't know about like. Well, at least for the basketball guys, for like the baseball or like the spring sports, okay, let them have their eligibility. But for like the guys that are missing March Madness, I don't think they should have a whole season to make up a possibility of four to six games at most. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Well, I mean, let's hope it doesn't last any longer than it than it has to when we get back to playing uh, real games uh, sometime soon. So anyway, listen, Moby, we haven't seen you in a while. I guess it was 2015 you went to Orlando um, from Philly. Uh, you played with Portland for a little bit, played with KC for a couple games, uh, and then you spent last season with uh, Austin in the USL. So how was that experience for you? And uh, just kind of bring us up up to, up to speed, Union fans who haven't uh, who haven't been able to catch up with you in a while. Yeah, it's been quite the journey. So uh, uh, after after Philly, uh, bounced around Orlando, Kansas City, Portland, and now I found myself in Austin. Uh, Austin's been amazing in terms of being able to play soccer, you know, just being grateful to play soccer. Uh, at the end of the day, and Austin's a great city. Um, a coach who I know very well, uh, Coach Marcelo, um, someone who I've known from the national team, has kind of given me the opportunity to just uh, play soccer without any uh, worries and uh, just to be in a great city. So it's been it's been pretty fun. Uh, playing a little bit of center back, playing a little bit of center mid, like always, um, tackling people, you know, doing what, <laughs> doing what, doing what makes me happy. So it's been it's been cool to see and especially with the MLS team coming to Austin you know there's like a little bit of a buzz yeah. uh, coming to the city so it's, it's funny as well like when people are asking like oh are you guys in the MLS like no nah, no nah, we're, we're that other team in the city <laughs> but they're coming in next year uh, so it's, it's good to see that people are like are starting to get interested especially in, in football country is it uh is it a big enough town to? I, I've been to Austin once, but I but I was there for a football game. Is it is it a big enough town that you can have two soccer teams, or what's what's the dynamic going to be uh, be like with you guys? Yeah, it's gonna be it's, it's gonna be real interesting to see. I, to be honest, um, they're gonna have to figure out a way to uh, work together. I mean, when you're already competing with football, um, it's best to um, it's best for everybody to be on the same page, in my personal opinion. Um, but Austin is so spread out in the sense that if you market it right and there's 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 enough room for everybody but once again you're competing with football so you got to find a way to you know kind of be unique in that sense 
So um, Austin's Craig, a very diverse city. So yeah, yeah, we're right. Yeah, I was I was there um, for a, yeah for a football game last year. Actually, it was really cool. Uh, it was a really cool city. Like just a lot of buzz. It's it, I thought it was. I thought the cool thing was how there's like bands everywhere playing all the time, just like downtown, oh, yeah, playing outside. Yeah, crazy out there. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a fun town. Um, good place to play, I'm sure. But but Moby, refresh me because I don't I, I don't did, you didn't play anywhere in 2018, right? Did you take a year off or what happened there? Yeah, two. Uh, okay, that was yeah, 2017. Yeah, 2018. I didn't play a whole year. I was a free agent. Uh, took like a gap year. I moved back to Sacramento. Uh, focused on some family, uh, some family things that I had to worry about, and then um, I was about to retire, and then I decided uh, the Austin situation came about, and I decided to keep running around the soccer fields for a little bit longer. <laughs> so what was yeah. uh, what? So what was that decision like? Like, what was the difference between uh, you, you know continuing to play in USL versus uh, hanging it up? Uh, to be honest, I was just like when I was like when I was during the gap year, I was like focusing on, like, helping out the family and doing some personal projects. And, like, during my, during the weekends, I would still watch soccer, like, watch all the MLS games, watch even some USL games, European games. And a buddy of mine is like, you're not ready to be done. You, like, literally, you watch all these games, you're comparing yourself, you're, like, yeah. doing analyzations. So then when the Austin situation came about, it was just a good situation to kind of get my feet back into it and then uh, hopefully go from there. So um, the love of the game still didn't go away in that sense. So, you know, decided to run around a little bit longer. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah, and you're only what, like 28 or 29, right? So you got a bunch of good years ahead of you. I'm 35, and I'm like, you know, worried if my uh, my Saturday adult league career is over. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's what they say. But you know, uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot a lot of miles put on the lake so uh yeah i feel like i got a, a good amount of years left if if, uh, if i want to i want to go that route so um, I want to get into your, your uh, union stuff because uh, obviously it's a Philadelphia Union podcast, but let me just work backwards quickly. Um, you spent some time in Portland, a little bit of time in uh, Kansas City, uh, Orlando before that. What, what did you make of those experiences, and what was it like? Uh, how, how did those compare to your, your time in Philly? Uh, it, they were all amazing experiences. I was able to learn a little bit out of each spot. Uh, Portland, I was probably there the second longest tenure compared to Philly, so that was cool to have some, like, roots down in the city, and, like, their fan base is amazing, so that was really cool, we, uh, we did well that, those, actually both years, actually not the second year I was there, uh, I was able to play in the playoffs, finally, um, played two games in the playoffs, yeah. even though we didn't go, uh, even though we didn't, uh, advance, it was cool to, like, play in that playoff atmosphere, uh, Kansas City, I was kind of hurt the whole time, so that didn't really go as planned, even though we won Open Cup. Uh, sorry to bring that up because it was against my, <laughs> my family. Yeah. But, uh, and then Orlando, it was cool to like experience the expa- like an expansion team on like the other side. Whereas before with Philly, I was a rookie. Yeah. And then uh, when I was with Orlando, I was more of a veteran. Um, and it's it was interesting to see like some of the things you didn't notice like when an expansion year as a rookie kind of because it kind of just goes over your head um, uh, as a veteran and like knowing how the league works understanding that but it was like close perspective from like the business side but obviously i was only there for like six months so um i I didn't get to experience it in full but it was cool to see and like interesting to learn about and just seeing how the sports business side works uh from um a more experienced one i should 
For sure. Um, okay, so when it comes to your union career, you know, I was like looking through old articles I wrote and old interviews and stuff like that, and I was trying to uh, sort of capture what what the uh, the essence of a Moby's tenure in Philly was, and uh, I just found it interesting that you kind of like you guys who were originals who played up until 2014. Uh, you know, you had the expansion year. Uh, you know, the team comes in with not a lot of resources, kind of trying to find its footing. You know, three different coaches. Um, you know, was it, was it, I don't know. It seems like, like you guys were part of the team when they were still trying to build a foundation and trying to get things going. I mean, when you look back at your time, um, in Philadelphia, how do you, how do you, what, what's sort of the way you encapsulate it? It was, it was amazing to see like, like for us to get through those, those early days to kind of be part of the transition into like what Philadelphia is now. I think it's amazing to see because I feel like Philadelphia, if it started off like early, yeah, it would have been cool, but I feel like it needed those those early years to really understand, like, all right, if we're going to move forward, if we're going to understand, like, what it takes to be successful in this league, um, we needed these early years to uh, kind of go through. And um, although, like, we didn't get the rewards or, like, the, the credit of being able to, like, fight through that and survive the ups and downs. It's it's cool to see, like, the the hard work that, you know, everyone that was involved for the first four to five years um, really, um, really plant the seeds to what it, Philadelphia is now. And I'm sure Philadelphia, as much as, they are happy with everything going on. They know that there's it's only the sky's the limit, and they can continue to keep uh, pushing. So, uh, for me, it's 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 really cool that I have those memories with those guys on the team, and um, to see where it is now is amazing. Yeah, it's a good way to put it, isn't it? You know, I mean, like, cause somebody had to kind of lay that groundwork, and you know, there was a whole group of people, fans, players, uh, you know, coaches, staffers ticket sellers stuff like that I mean all those people really you could put into the category of like people who busted their ass to kind of like lay the foundation for this thing and and get it to where it is now I mean because you look at you know they're putting 18,500 people in that stadium and they're replaying instant classics on on Fox Sports 1 on Sunday night you know I mean like it's not uh yeah I don't think the union would be where they are now if it wasn't for you know everybody in the beginning putting in the time and effort you know exactly and I feel like some of those memories um to this day are still going to be some of the top memories. Like, you know, never, no one's ever going to forget that first game in Lincoln when Sebastian scored the three goals or the first game in uh, the, uh, I don't even know what the name of the stadium is now, Subaru Park, uh, PBL Park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. When, uh, uh, against Seattle, um, you know, the game where uh, Cleverson scored, like, the free kick in extra time or, yeah. like, extra time. Open Cup, hosting the Open Cup, like everything. Uh, Friday night game versus Red Bulls, that was amazing. Packed yeah. out. Like all these different memories that um, allow um, Tubu Park to be what it is now. And like the training facility stories, the, the state of the art facility now. Yeah. I wish uh, I wish I could go back and see how it is, but, <laughs> you know, that's life. You don't, you don't miss uh, practicing at Chester Park? So seriously, like what was, I mean, do, do you guys look back at that at all and say, 
shit, like I wish we had that facility back back then. Or do you just say, look, like it, you know, it's it is what it is. It was a new franchise trying to come up, and you know, you're happy. You're happy for the the guys who do have that now. Yeah, I feel like I mean, like that's like I feel like that's everything in life. Like it's like when you talk about like when the NBA guys talk about like these players are like they get all this stuff. It's just with the times. Um, obviously, if I if I was like my little brother's age, he's eighteen, like coming into MLS now. Oh, it's a whole different story. Yeah, but, uh, that's just how it is. So uh, we do have funny memories and like we do like debates in the group chats about like. Um, is it more about like these players getting more exposure, or are they actually better? Like um, the facilities that they get, like how much is it helping them compared to what we had? Um, but it's all good fun, and uh, we support the team um, wholeheartedly. Amobi, you um, you guys who were there from the beginning and who who made it, you know, four or five years are there, there's actually a small group of guys who got to play for Peter, got to play for Hack, and then played for Jim too. Um, you know, I'm thinking you, Zach Pfeffer, uh, Ray Gaddis, Mike LaHood. It's not a lot of guys. Um, so I'm kind of interested in your perspective on, on what it was like to play for uh, each of those guys and, you know, any similarities or differences that they might have had. Uh, sorry, can you repeat the first, the first part of the question? You no, you're playing, playing for, you played for Peter, for Hack, and for Jim. What, what, what was it like playing for all three of those guys and how were they different or similar? Moby, I was always interested in how your career arc kind of came out. And like, there was a lot of people back then in those days of MLS who 
you know, you came into the league playing one position, you ended up playing another position. You came in as a midfielder and you played D mid. 2010 and 2011 and then you got moved back to center back 2012 and 2013 and then I mean correct me if I'm wrong but I think you went then back to midfield when uh uh Marisa Du came or when when Jim took over Marisa Du was there I I you you always told us when we asked you that it was like hey I'll play whatever position you want me to play I just want to be on the field blah 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 but I mean I always got the fact that you enjoyed playing center midfield more than center back am I correct in in saying that or is that off base no, no, you're correct. Yeah, center mid is my key mid is my position. Like that's the position I like to play. Just being able to be the transition from defense to midfield and midfield to defense um, was like my favorite position. Center back is not a problem, but like I always say, center back's great. But the one thing I hate is like you could play perfect for 89 and a half minutes, and that one mistake <laughs> in the 90th minute, no one, no one remembers like how great of a game you had. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, that responsibility as a center back is, is good and bad, but um, there was no problem for me playing it. Well, and the I other the other like funny how, thing. Uh, the, the other funny thing too about about playing that okay, is that ahead. like you, you get no. I was just gonna say like when you're a center back too, and you get frustrated if it's like a zero zero game or a one one game or something like that, you have to resist the urge to like run up and like try to help, help yeah. try to help score or whatever. You know, it's a lot easier to do when you're playing yeah. in the midfield. You know. My first year playing center back, I used to run all over the place to try to score. Yeah, and I had to realize like you remember your defender, you can't do that. So. Uh, <laughs> Did you um, – a serious question, though, Moby. I mean, do, do you think that your career would have played out any differently if you had if you had come to the Union and just played, like, either midfield or either center back? Like, did going back and forth uh, between that mess you up at all, or was that not really a thing? Uh, I don't know if it was really a thing. I think the only thing with center back is because I was, like, a smaller, more athletic center back. So, you know, people have their preconceived notions, like, oh, you need to be a typical – uh, bigger center back, so they'd always use that as an excuse. Um, if I played center mid, like from the first day, um, obviously I would have had to play well, but I think I would have been able to show out um, like I did when I played center mid consistently throughout my time, not only with Philadelphia, but other teams as well. Yeah, you know what, and that's kind of, I'm glad we've kind of dispelled that myth because if you look at guys like Michael Parkhurst and Drew Moore running around playing 10 plus years in MLS like they were not you know big hulking six foot five dudes you know what I mean like if anything it showed that if you have skill on the ball and you can read the game well you can play center back in in any in any league really you know yeah so it was cool to like play consistently center back for those years and uh show myself that ability um and I still feel like today I can still play at a high level like when I was playing in Portland uh, even playing with Austin now, even though it's a, a lower level, but when we played MLS teams, I still hold my own, like uh, like I always have. So yeah, um, everyone, like you said, everyone has their their preconceived notions. Um, Amobi, what was your favorite Union goal that you scored? I would say the most important goal that you scored was uh, twenty fourteen uh, U.S. Open Cup semifinals in Dallas. Uh, that was the one-one game where you guys advanced on penalties, but you had some good headers too. I liked the um, you scored the header in the Galaxy game off of uh, off of a Shane and Williams throw-in. I think that was probably my favorite one. Did you do you have a, a specific one you like? Oh yeah, oh yeah, we got smacked that game though. So um, <laughs> uh, 
I would probably say, yeah, um, the first, my first goal versus Colorado or that goal against, uh, or the, my header against Dallas at home, um, because I was able to rep my, my buddy's brand, as you know, he boom, uh, yeah. breathe football. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Um, you pulled the, pulled the shirt off with the, uh, with the live breathe football that's funny i actually just got a package from him in the mail about two hours ago so go figure oh respect <laughs> i felt like that game was that game was like an announcement that like um like i'm actually i could like i could play at this level because i was playing a little bit but then i was like all right our team is doing well we got a bunch of young guys we got some solid veterans and um doing well and then that open cup game for sure because um, that was the summer uh, Coach Curtin took over, and it was like, all right, are we going to, like, let the season go to waste? Are we going to, like, really come together? Yeah. And, like, we really came together as a team. And uh, the only thing we didn't do is finish that Open Cup run, but uh, we really came together as a team that summer. I like that Colorado goal. Yeah, I mean, it was, like, the second game of the year, and there was snow piled up, like, on the side of the field. And... uh you know, you guys were a young team at that time. But I think you scored. I think Jack scored. It was like a two-one win. It was actually really fun to watch. Yeah, it was a crazy game. And then Coach uh, Rob was like, he's like, "I have a feeling you're gonna score today because all preseason, like, I was getting close. Um, and it was like the first season. Like, all right, I'm starting the season off playing like center back, so like we know. And uh, <laughs> he just said he had a feeling I was gonna score. And I was like, all right, if I score, I'm coming to you. <laughs> I, ended up, I don't know. Sebastian put in a great ball, uh, and I just headed it in. And then Jack scored later, and we won. And it was like we we definitely started off great that season, but we didn't have the legs to hold it off for the whole season. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know what they're doing because there's no games on TV right now. They're going to play a bunch of classic Union games, like on the website and. Uh, Oh wow! Yeah, and on like really? PHL 17 here. Yeah, so I I was like giving them suggestions. I wrote down uh, Seattle 2010, the first game you guys played at PPL. Um, okay. Yeah. I, wrote, I wrote down six to two when you guys won six to two in Toronto. Um, oh, yeah, that was a crazy game. Yeah, yeah 20, uh, 2010 versus Sebastian. Obviously, the hat trick there. The twenty eleven game where Roger came on and he scored against Red Bulls. That was another one. Um, what what what, else, what, what do you you know if if, if they were looking for uh, recommendations on what what classic games they should go back and watch? What do you uh, what do you remember? Oh, you put it on the spot. Okay. <laughs> Um, that game, uh, Roger came off the bench that game, or he was started that game? W- uh, Roger in the New York game? He came, he came on as a sub. That was the game, I think that was Henri's first year. Um, okay. Because he came on, it was on national TV, and he scored in like his first touch, and, and PPL was like the loudest I've ever heard. Oh, yeah, I remember I played that game. I got lucky that, yeah, that was a crazy situation. Um... Another game when we fought Chivas, basically <laughs> like three red cards that game, and then I think Freddie Adu scored or you know, Jack Max scored. Yeah, yeah. Game if you want to watch. Yeah, I um, that one. Yeah. So there was a certain game when we like had to win, um, or we like, we were going through it for a little bit, and then we had to win to like keep our place in the standings. I don't know what it was. Um, Do you remember the four four that you guys played against New England? Four four at home. Oh, that was a crazy game. Yeah, when uh, when BC tracked that guy back, yeah, I put that up there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he tracked him from like 60 yards out. What a game that was. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a couple of other good games. Um, I think. I'll try to pick one from each coach. 
So, okay. uh, Nowak uh, game, that 2011 New York game was good. Um, but also, we had another game. I think it was verse. Uh, there was a game we came back down like from 2 0 to win. Hmm. Not sure. That wasn't, was it Columbus? Was there a Columbus game in there? There, there was a comeback? Um, yes, and, uh, yeah. There was actually a game with Coach Curtin when we played Columbus. I'm not sure if we lost that game or tied, oh, okay. but All it right. was a good back and forth. It was towards the end. You know what another good one is, actually? You guys went up in uh, to Seattle uh, at the end of 2011, and you got a 2-0 win up there. Um, yeah, that was a good one as well. Yeah, because yeah. then I think you came back and I think you got a draw with Toronto. And I think that's how you guys clinched the first uh, the first playoff berth in, in franchise history. Yeah. Um, with Jim Curran, we had a game. We beat Toronto away. It was when they had, like, Josie and all them. Yeah. Uh, we beat them 1-0 away. Connor Casey balled out that game, I remember. <laughs> um, Coach Hack, we had a game versus D.C., I believe. Jack scored like a hat trick in the first half. That yeah, was that was game. a great game. That was a great game. I remember that one, yeah. Um, the Seattle Open Cup game in the final, that was good. That was like a crazy game. Um, trying to think. Oh my gosh, I'd have to like, yeah, I, I might have to tune in too because I'm, 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 I'm forgetting some games. Well, if you, uh, here's what we'll do. If you, if you remember any, uh, just text me and I'll write like a note at the bottom of the podcast description. Okay. I'll say Amobi added these later. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. All right, I only got two more for you. And I'll let you go. Um, number one, uh, what you, are you still doing uh, frugal athlete and some of that um, the the side um, stuff that you were working on? I know you went back to school um, and you got your degree, uh, and you had always kind of been active doing stuff off to, off to the side during your playing career. Where, where, are, where are you at with that stuff right now? Yeah, so I just completed my master's in sports law uh, through a uh, college of law at Sandra Day O'Connor at Arizona State University, and I still do a full athlete. Um, I had to take a little step back while I was going to school because my time was uh, limited, but now I'm back on doing a full athlete. So we have the podcast, we have the website, we have all the content um, going for that as well. Um, you know, one of my favorite stories from back in the day, one of my favorite sports stories, I've been doing sports for like 10 years now, is uh, when your parents told you that the only way you could enter the draft and go pro uh, is if you get your, is if you get your, your college degree, right? Was it, was it, what was it like to fulfill that for them? No, it was good. And not only for them, but for myself too. Because uh, if I was, if I didn't have like school on the side, especially the, that first year and a half when I wasn't playing, ooh, I would have just been crazy in the room. So, um, to, to give myself something to do and like something to pursue as well um, outside of soccer because as you know you've been in sports for over 10 years um, there's a lot of guys that come and go so to be able to have that kind of that safety net and use sports as a vehicle to complete school uh, is really amazing yeah okay last one for you Moby um, this is this is a question I ask everybody who comes on the podcast all the, all the former players and coaches um if there was one thing of now or at any any point in your playing career uh, that uh, the fans and media talk about, if there's something that we spend too much time talking about or something that we don't spend enough time talking about, what's one thing that uh, fans and media can change about the way that we talk about soccer or treat the game? 
going to talk about this forever. Um, <laughs> the floor is yours, man. We got all day. <laughs> um, I I would probably say like like tactics within player roles because like sometimes like a player like for example like a winger will tuck in and. Um, the media, the fans would be like, oh, he needs to play wide. He's leaving the whole wide side open. But, like, the, the coach and the, 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 the tactics of the game was like, he needs to tuck in because he needs to fill the gap between, um, you know, the center mid and the, the forward um, strategically. So understanding the tactics around why certain things are happening in the game. And I feel like compared to other, like, team forums, Philly does a great job of that between you and the other um, guys and, like, PSP and all that, like, understanding that. But from the most part, like, fans and all that, they simply don't ask the right questions or don't engage enough to know, like, maybe there's a reason why. Yeah. But it's, like, leaving that, that whole wide side open. Maybe because he, they want him to have the ball. He's not as good on the ball. So they're going to lead to more turnovers. Like, different things like that where um, – there's tactics behind certain decision making. Now, if it doesn't work out, okay, you guys are willing to are free to like talk whatever. But <laughs> if if it, if it does or if it doesn't, like uh, like just understand that there's probably like a reasoning behind it. Well, it's it's a good answer, and actually, like a lot of people have said similar things like that. You know, I had um I had Ray's college coach on uh, a couple like a month ago. And, um, uh -huh. you know, we were talking about, like, you know, do you have a fullback go forward and attack? You know, why isn't a fullback going forward to attack? Okay, well, maybe that's not what he's been instructed to do. Maybe he's been, yeah. asked, maybe he's been asked specifically to stay back and protect the, the play of the number six, who's not really a, a ball winner, but he's more of a playmaker. You know, it's always impossible. I, I agree it's impossible for fans and media to kind of know what's being asked of you guys if we're not in there in the locker room in the first place. Listen, those are fair answers, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, everybody I asked said something similar in that regard. I think Rick, I think Ryan Richter was saying like he would just want wants people to know that it's not necessarily the easiest thing to go from like uh, one position to another. You know, like, like playing like right fullback and right <laughs> and, and right wing back are really like two completely different types of things, man. I mean, just because you're playing wide right uh, doesn't mean it's any anything similar to playing a you know like a four man backline versus a five man or like a, you know, a three man or something like that, but. You guys have all said similar things, so I appreciate that, you know? No, no doubt. And, uh, yeah, that's it. I'm trying to think of something else, but for the most part, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, listen, Amobi, it's been fun, man. Thanks for taking some time. We appreciate it. Um, it was good catching up with you. You are a, uh, a oh, Philadelphia. Yeah, always a pleasure. You're a Philadelphia Union original, man, and that's uh, that's always going to be that way. So we, uh, I think I speak for everybody when we when we say that we appreciate you know, all the work that you guys did back in the day, even though you had to go play at uh, practice at Chester Park and, and whatever. You know, we, we, we appreciate all the work that you guys did in building this thing. Respect, man. Respect. Appreciate it. Always happy to talk soccer, especially Philly soccer. Always a special place in my heart, so.
Excellent, man. Well, listen, uh, just make sure you practice social distance and uh, wash your hands, and we're, and we're, uh, we're going to get through it, all right? All right, yes, sir. All right, man, see you. All right, let's get to your questions and your comments and your concerns. Uh, not a lot uh, because they're not playing right now, obviously. So, uh, you know, we're going to be stretched for content for a little while. But, um, you know, if you guys like, you know, the feature interviews and the former players and stuff like that, I feel like we can probably fill the gap with those kinds of things in the meantime. I'm sure we're all looking for stuff to do while we're stuck inside and trying to trying to ride this thing out. Um, you know, obviously we had to cancel the – postpone the live podcast that we were going to do with the Larimer for the season opener. So we're just going to reschedule that for whenever they start playing again. Whenever the home opener is, uh, we will do the podcast at that time. Uh, in the meantime, though, if you want to support the Larimer, they're doing takeout, uh, takeout beer. If you go to their Twitter, or it's, I'm sure it's like on their website or their social media too, they have a list of stuff that's offered. So if you want to, you have to order ahead, just call them and tell them what you want and they'll prepare it. And then stop by the brewery and you can just pay them then or whatever. Um, so, I mean, look, they're small. They're new. You know, they could probably use our support. So if you're uh, trying to, you know, support local businesses while this thing is going on, uh, they're as local as it comes right outside the stadium. So maybe we can try to help them out and uh, you know, buy some beers from them because uh, God knows we don't really have much else to do while we're sitting around the house anyway. Um, one other note I wanted to make, actually, a, a thought from the uh, – from the LA game when I was watching it on replay the other night when they had it on FS1, uh, the Glessness goal. You know, one of the things I was, I made this point with Sean, um, with, with brace, um, yesterday, Tuesday, or, uh, I'm sorry, yesterday, Monday, uh, when we were doing, uh, the daily ticket on Fox sports gambler, three to 6 PM, iHeartRadio. You know, when you have a guy, the union didn't really have, uh, a number one free tick, free kick, taker coming into the season right you know with Madunian and not there who was going to take him you know Peter and I talked about okay Jamiro's going to knock him in uh you know right foot hit curlers try to put him on people's heads you know when you have a guy like Glessness who can hit a ball like that think you're think about being 36 38 40 yards out you know normally when you're taking a free kick from that far out how many people are you going to put in the wall one or two maybe uh you know if if teams watch that and they say okay this guy can hit him from this far maybe they add another guy or two to the wall maybe you're looking at a three-man or a four-man wall from 37 yards out which is really kind of crazy to think about but what it does is that it pulls an extra body out and that's one fewer uh, defender in the mixer you know it's one less guy playing zone you know because a lot of a lot of teams will play kind of like the like a match like you would call it kind of like matchup plus zone you know where you put one guy on each attacking player, then whoever's free, you know, just kind of floats. Like you have your release valve at the top, your striker playing up top, and then you match up, you mark up, and then the extra guys just sort of float around in there. That's how we've always kind of played it. I mean, like most high schools are probably going to, and college teams and Costa League teams are probably going to play some version of that. So if you're Glessness now, and then they know that he can hit them from that far out, maybe you got three people in the wall and you have an extra, extra person in there. So that's something to think about too, you know. And I mean, now you got Jameer, now you have the option of of cracking one from distance or Jamiro can curl one in too. And, uh, it's kind of like the basketball equivalent of spacing. If you think about it, you know, if JJ Redick is standing out on the three point line, you're going to be more inclined to get out there and guard him than you are Ben Simmons. Right. So it's kind of like the, like the soccer version of gravity or spacing the floor, you know? So I would put Glessness over the ball. I'd put Jamiro over the ball and, uh, make them, make them think for both of those. And you got two options, two different things you can do, you know? Um, okay. So let's see if you guys got, uh, questions here. 
Big Mac, should MLS teams have gone to a regional schedule where teams could have bust uh, bust to their opponents, played in empty stadiums, uh, but have been televised to entertain people during isolation? Yeah, I mean that's certainly one option. But you know, look if you're gonna if you're gonna play regional, you're gonna bust them and play them in empty stadiums. I mean, you could you could have charter flights that would accomplish the same thing too. Uh, you know, I don't I don't know if there's any if there's any real difference versus sending the bus up to Red Bull versus, you know, taking like a chartered flight down to, uh, to Atlanta or something like that, you know, it'd be more expensive obviously, but I don't know. I think you just get screwed schedule wise. Cause if, you know, it was new England and New York and DC and Philly all playing each other, then, you know, if you got to stuff in all your games with the West coast teams, with the Midwest teams too. So it seems like a short term solution. I think probably the best way for them to do this. Uh, I, I'm not really a fan of all these people coming out and, taking guesses like well it's gonna be june it's gonna be july it's gonna be august you know you don't know that uh, you know if the cdc is recommending eight weeks uh, of no gatherings more than 50 people work off that recommendation which would take us to mid-may and then think about how they wanted to go into this in the first place you know the original things that they told us were that they wanted the media out of the locker rooms they were going to do things without the fans in the arenas i watched a ufc fight in brazil the other night where there were no fans in the arena they just had the trainers the refs or the ref, the judges, you know, the cut man, the corner people, the coaches, and that seemed to go okay. So, you know, maybe you get to a point eight weeks from now where you're like, okay, we flattened the curve on this thing. We feel like we're doing a little bit better. You know, if all the MLS players or all the NBA players are able to be tested and we have we have enough testing at that point, you know, maybe you can say, look, we feel confident enough that these guys don't have the symptoms. Curtin's good. Jamiro's good. Glestons is good. <laughs> we're all good. Maybe you Maybe you start incrementally and you put them in an empty stadium then. And the stadiums are empty from theoretically May to June, and then you start bringing crowds back in June or July or something like that. Like I think that's probably where we're going to get. I don't think it's just going to go from zero to a hundred again. Like if you were looking to incrementally step down away from this thing, you're probably going to incrementally step back into it. So my prediction is that they'll probably start playing in front of empty arenas before they let all these fans back in. You know, uh, I just I just don't like people who aren't medical experts coming out and saying, "Well, it's going to be August," because you don't fucking know. Joe says, while we're on a COVID-19, you should rank all of the COVID in order. I don't know enough about them. I don't know enough about them to rank. If I was a medical expert, I could tell you. Uh, we'll go 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. In that order. Jared says, top three union jerseys in history. Oh, that's a good shout. Yeah, um... You know which ones I like the best? I, then they never really wore these, but they wore them a couple times in 2011. It was when they had the blue bottoms, the blue shorts, and they had the white uh, shirts. So they wore white, blue, and then they had white socks too. They wore them during the Everton friendly in 2011. If, you, if you're looking to see what I'm talking about, Google uh, Philadelphia Union versus Everton in 2011, which actually a uh, trivia question was a game that Mark Zumoff called uh, for the Union. I like that one. Uh, I I was interested in seeing the black ones, like the black on gray with the snake background. This year, I thought that looked pretty cool. The white, I, I don't, I don't know. I, mean, I kind of like plain white because I'm colorblind anyway, so I can't really tell you what what's good and what's what's bad. I, I'll tell you the jerseys that I hated were in 2013 when they did that kind of like I don't, th- I don't know if it was like hot pink or like neon, but there was like another stripe. It was like a neon blue or pink or something, and then you had the blue and the gold. On top of it, that one felt uh, felt a little weird. But I liked I liked Ever- the ones they wore during um, the Everton uh, game in 2011. 
Uh, John says, what are your thoughts on Sergio Santos? I thought he was a beast in the L.A. game, but I'm curious about your thoughts. Yeah, Peter and I, uh, Peter Andrews and I talked about this a little bit on the last one, but I like that he just seems to be all over the place this year in a good way. Uh, you know, he's making those hard runs into the channels. Uh, he's a release valve for them to dump the ball into the into the into the wide areas too, because you know, as people were pointing out, you know, when you don't play with wingers, and you know, Ray Gaddis is really going to get forward and bomb into that space, and Ali Bedoya will get over there sometimes, but he's tucked in, he's playing as a, as a shuttler. Then you know, Sergio Santos is really going to help you kind of stretch things out if he's willing to make those hard sprints under the ball. And uh, you, you, like I said, there's not a lot of strikers who are going to like doing that, but he kind of helps stretch the field and open things up for you and lets you play direct. And that takes the burden off of Casper uh, too, you know, because he doesn't have to like bust his ass and he can track back and he can win balls and he can play uh, defense in a different way. So um, it's really good so far that, that he's he's been active and engaged and he seemed to been, be around the ball. You know, he's finding the game, as they say. And, uh, oh, well, that's pretty much it. Yeah, not a lot going on here. So, uh, listen, we'll try to um, do what we can here, you know. Maybe I'll try to do one a week, one every other week or something. But if you have any ideas or you have any special requests, uh, you know, now's the time. You know, if you have anybody that you want me to try to get on the show, uh, maybe we'll do some more kind of feature feature kind of stuff. You know, we've had people in on the past, like, you know, Dave Sheldon was on here. We were talking about sports radio when it comes to soccer and stuff like that. Maybe we'll uh, – See if we can get some of the people who do other things around the stadium to kind of give us like an insight into what what it takes to do that. But uh, you know, if you have anything like that, give me a shout. Like I said, once we get going again, uh, we'll get the the apparel order in, and we'll do the charity thing. We'll get the the uh, live podcast going. But um, for now, we can't really do anything. We're just kind of stuck here. So thanks for listening, and uh, hopefully, this helps your boredom for a little bit. <laughs>